Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. There's a few things I want to talk about tonight. Uh, I say 2 Timothy chapter 4. How many know the Word of God is just good? There's just good stuff everywhere, and it's hard sometimes to even find a good spot to start. Uh, if you don't know what I'm talking about, uh, spend more time in the Word. You'll, you'll, you'll grow to love it very much. And um, let's, let's back up to 2 Timothy chapter 3. We'll go back a chapter to the third chapter. It's all good. It's all wonderful. <laughs> Praise God. Had uh, something on my heart tonight um, to speak on, and uh, we'll get into it here. It says in uh, the first verse of 2 Timothy chapter 3, it says, But know this, of course, this is Paul writing to Timothy. He says, But know this, in the last days perilous times will come. And I'll just stop just for a second, just to kind of put this into, into perspective what was happening here. You know, when we talk about the uh, gift of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the importance uh, that the Holy Spirit has in our life, oftentimes we'll refer to the fact that uh, when Jesus uh, gave his disciples the commandment to, to uh, not depart, right, but to stay in Jerusalem until they would, were endued with power, uh, he gave, this, them, gave them this instructions. He had already told them to, to go out into all the world, preach the gospel. So they had a mandate, they had their direction, they had their instructions from the Master, Think about hearing that from the word, from the lips of Jesus. That, that one, I'm sure was awesome. And uh, they had gotten their mandate, had gotten their instructions, you know. And so he told them what to do. And he said, now, before you do it, before you launch out, before you go anywhere, he said, go to, said don't depart from Jerusalem. Stay right here because not many days from now, the Holy Spirit's going to be poured out. He said, and when you get that gift, you'll be endued with power, the ability to, to, to walk out and to accomplish what I've told you to do. And, uh, and I've, we've, I've said it, I don't know anybody else, but I've said it, I just remember this growing up, that the last instructions I always got as a kid, uh, when my parents were going out of town, the last thing they told me were the things that I wanted to pay extra special attention to. All the things you got to do, but then they make sure, make sure you do this, this. It was, usually, it was usually something about don't burn the house down or don't do anything crazy or, you know, those kind of those things. But above everything else you do, make sure you do this. And I, I was smart enough, I'm smart enough to realize, all right, so if they're saying this, this is the last thing they're leaving me with. I want to pay attention to what they're saying. I know we do this with our kids over the years. You know, we give them things, do this, do that. The last thing, we, we, we reemphasize something we want them to pay attention to. And, of course, we know where the baptism of the Holy Spirit is. You know, Jesus told them to do this. Can you imagine the disciples going out and trying to do what, what they were called to do and fulfill their, their calling on their life and to do everything they did without the power of the Holy Spirit? Can you imagine that? Can, can you imagine that? I mean, it's, it's, it's not even conceivable to even think how could they have done this. You know, Jesus himself didn't do uh, the ministry that he did on the earth without the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, he needed it. He told, told them, you need this. I tell you what, we need a fresh, full experience of the Holy Spirit in our life on a daily basis because just like they couldn't have done it, their ministry fulfilled what God had called them to do with the Holy Spirit, active and alive and showing up. How many know that we can't do what God's called us to do without the Holy Spirit active in our life? Amen. And let me know he's not hiding from us. We can, we can get him any day. We can just turn around. He's always there. Constant help. Always. I'm so thankful for the Holy Spirit. Amen? But this was Paul writing, and he was writing to uh, Timothy. He, Timothy was a son in the faith, very special to him. And if you go back to the fourth chapter uh, in uh, verse 6, just hold your place here in the third chapter. Go back to the fourth chapter, verse 6. He said, For I'm already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. So Paul was coming to the end of his ministry and the end of his life, and he had done many things and seen many things, seen God be faithful time and time again, but he, he was now sending his last instructions. He, was, he wasn't just leaving for a trip. He was leaving the planet. He was going on home, going home to be with Jesus, and he said, he said, for my, the time of my departure is at hand, verse 7, for I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Y'all, what a statement right there. What a statement that is. I have fought the good fight. 
I've kept the faith. I've finished my course. I've finished my race. That ought to be, that, that ought to be the goal of all of us to have that statement. Whether it is when Jesus comes back during our lifetime or when we breathe our last and step on over to the other side that we can say, looking back, that, listen, I've kept the faith. I've finished the course. I've done exactly what he's called me to do. I don't know about you, but that excites me. I want that to be my testimony. I want that to be my witness. I don't want it just to be empty words. I want it to be something that actually did. Now, Paul said this, and it was recorded for our benefit, so we know that it was, it was inspired by God. That was true of Paul. Let's make sure it's true of us. Let's make sure it's true of us. Verse 8, he said, finally, there's laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give. He's going to give it to me himself. I'm sure Paul was just at the gym the other day. We were talking to me and the, the, the gentleman who works at the gym and another one of the guys there. We were just talking about things. We got into this, you know, and I was like, listen, I said, what's coming later? If you, and I'm always witnessing. I'm trying to make sure I always throw it out there. If you've given your life to Jesus, I'm not talking about just doing a Christian thing or going through the motions or saying you belong to a church, which all those things are great, right? But if you've given your life to Jesus, we sang it tonight in the song, Right, that I don't remember what the words were, but I give you my whole life. You know, that's what that's what real salvation is all about. It's not, we're not getting saved; we're making Jesus the Lord of our life. We're not getting a savior; we're making Him Lord of our life. And so I just said, listen. I said, those people who've done it, who've given their lives to Jesus, have have completely committed themselves to Him. You know, put their trust one hundred percent into in Him. I tell you, what, what's waiting for us is so good. It's so good. It's so good. We can't even imagine how good it is. And I just think Paul, you know, remember the time when he wrote, he said, listen, I'm caught between two. I'm, I'm, I'm between, a, between a rock and a hard place. You know, I'm caught between two. I have a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is a little bit better. No, he said it's far better, right? He said, but it's better for you, more needful you for you that I stay. He said, he said, be honest with you, I don't even know what I'm going to choose. I don't even know what I'm going to choose. I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do. Thank God he chose to stay. He stayed for a little while longer, but now he's at the point where that choice, he's satisfied that choice. He obeyed what God called him to do, what God told him to do. He told him to, to stay. And so now he's at the point where now those, those orders are stay are gone. The only order left is to come on home. Come on, y'all. You tell me Paul was excited. Paul was so excited at this moment. Yet at the same time, he wanted to make sure the things he, that needed to be said, one last instruction, one set of instructions, one last things that needed to be conveyed to the church. I want to make sure that this gets out there. Timothy, son in the faith, dear to me, listen to what I'm saying right here. So put all this into context of what we're about to read. Go back to the third chapter. He said, but now, but know this. And I think there's some, there's, there's, even for us, we have to, we have to know this. Of course, you know, Paul, or Timothy rather, was living in the last days, but how I many know we're in the last of the last days? It's with 2,000 years have come and gone just about, so we're even closer to the very end. He said, but know this. Like I said, we have to be careful and realize the days we live in. Amen. We have to be, be aware of what's going on and not get lulled to sleep and not get lulled to a place of indecision or just lackadaisicalness or whatever it is, apathy. But he's telling us tonight to know this. Amen. He said, to know this in the last days, perilous times will come. Oh, Pastor Greg, you said, I, 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 I want that to be a happy message. This is happy. We can know. We got inside information on what's happening, what's here, and then what to do with it. The Weiss translation says, uh, said hard and difficult times. He's telling Timothy, know this in the last days that hard and difficult times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves. I tell you what, we've seen that more than ever in recent years. I tell you, the, the, I'll just move on, but the, the onsetting of social media has really revealed what's in the heart of people. Because it's all about me, it's all about me, it's all about me. Pastor this morning talked about, you know, looking at yourself in the mirror. You know, that's what a lot of this is, being overly interested in ourselves, right? But it says, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful and unholy. Can you see these things around us today? Unloving, unforgiving, 
the, uh, the third chapter, there's a note there. It says irreconcilable. Irreconcilable. Uh, let us never get to a place where you say there's, it's just, there's too much happened. I just can't, I just can't correct. I just can't make it right. I'm not willing to let them make it right. No, let's, let's not do that. It's never too late, right? Pa- Pastor Andrew has been talking about walking in love. Amen. Unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. For me, this is the one that always gets my attention. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. I tell you what, this is something we need to be on guard about, that we're not, we, that we not love the blessing, we not love the pleasure that's attached to it more than the blesser. Amen? Lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Notice he goes on to say, verse 5, having a form of godliness but denying its power from such people turn away. A lot of times when people read this, and I know I used to do this as well, I would read this, and, and as I'm reading through, I'm thinking, yeah, that's the state of the world, unloving, unforgiving, unthankful, you know, traitors, headstrong, all of those things. Then he goes on to say, lovers of pleasure than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. power. You realize he was talking about people, this also includes people in the body of Christ, People in the church, and I say church because, you know, just because somebody says they're in the church doesn't mean they're actually in the church. Are you listening to me? Just because someone says they're in the church doesn't mean they're in the church. I mean, how many understand we've got a church culture that a person can fit into church culture but not actually be a member of the body of Christ? But he said, having a form of godliness but denying its power from such people turn away. Verse 6, for of this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts. He's warning Timothy that there will be people that will use even Christian culture, Christian environment, uh, even godly looking things, things that look good but are denying the power of, have a form but not the substance of godliness, substance of power, will use this to manipulate people. I tell you, it's happening all over. It's, we, we have a, it, we, we're definitely living in a time probably greater than any other time of that happening right now. It's happening on a widespread, in a widespread way. Verse seven, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. See, even there, there there's some, there, they've got some, they're learning and yet they're never able to achieve anything. Learning is a good thing. But I mean, as we learn, we ought to be moving and progressing and achieving, growing in some things. Amen. Always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Janus and Jambres uh, resisted Moses, so do these always also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds disapproved concerning the faith, but they will progress no further for their folly will be manifest to all as theirs also was. So, you know, we have this, this, this scenario, this time where Paul is saying, hey, Timothy, I'm about to leave. My departure's at hand. I want to leave some things with you. I want to say some things that are very important. How many of these things are important to us? Let's not fall into the same trap of what's going on. Verse 10, but you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. Amen. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ will suffer persecution. He's letting him know, listen, you're going you're gonna to have some trouble. You're going to have some opposition. Don't let it detract you. Don't let it, don't let it cause you to back down. I know no one here has ever been tempted to back down, right, for, for, for attempting to live a godly life. If you've not been tempted to back down, I would say maybe you ain't attempting to live a godly life like you should, because when you do, you're going to get opposition. It's a fact. Jesus said it. Paul's saying it right here. He said, all who desire to live in, uh, live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution, but evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. You know what? I tell you, deception is an awful thing. You know, it's sad to see somebody that's, that's being deceived, that's in deception. You know, pastor's been talking about uh, renewing our mind. This morning, talking about being a doer of the word. Because when we're not a doer of the word, what happens? We deceive ourselves. Well, when we're deceived, 
We really think we're okay, but we're not. We really believe we're living right, doing the right thing, but we're actually not. That's a terrible, 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 terrible place to be in. But you know, there's people like that all around. There's people in the body of Christ like this. People that are in the church that are like this. They're, just, they're living deceived lives, but it doesn't have to be us. Evil men will grow worse and apostles will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. He's given us the answer, but you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of knowing from whom you have learned them. So Paul wasn't just saying, hey, because you heard it from me, you need to listen to these things. But he's saying, listen, we've heard these. We've learned these things from the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. We've learned these things from the presence of God, from the truth of God's Word. He says, uh, and from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus. Now notice verse 16. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. Everybody say all Scripture. I tell you what, I so love the Word of God. All Scripture is is inspired by God. Pastor's been talking on Sunday mornings about renewing our mind and, and receiving with meekness the implanted word which is able to save our souls. But you know, being meekness and, and receiving with meekness requires us to do some things, right? To, to value what he's got to say, to put value on it, right? And then to be hearers and listen to what he's saying. He said here, he said, listen, all scripture, and he wasn't just talking to Timothy, he's talking to us, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. It's all good. I know we all have our, our pet topics and things that we just like. Anybody got something you just like? Just a, just a, just a pet topic? Nobody's going to raise their hand, just me. I see a couple honest people. Just things we just like. Thank God for those things. I'll be honest with you, my pet topic changes sometimes. It'll move from one thing, it'll move to the next. Usually it's because God's talking to me about it, and that's all I can think about. That, that's just what he's talking about, so that's what I'm, 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 I'm loving and, and feeding on, you know. Uh, but when, then sometimes he'll move us on to something else. It's important we not ditch what he was talking to us about and only be excited about what he is doing, but let's not throw it away. Let's, let's, let's hold on to all of it. Why? Because it's profitable to us. He said, all scripture is, is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be, may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. That the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Paul knew some things and he's giving a secret because remember just a few verses from now, just a few lines from now, he's saying, listen, I finished the course he said, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. He did this. He valued the word of God. He valued this instruction, and it, he let it complete him. He let it bring him, make him complete, thoroughly equipped for all of those things that the Lord had told him to do. And then he goes on, and he starts talking to Timothy about his ministry. And I've got a point tonight. We'll get there. In verse 1 of the fourth chapter, he says, I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, and, and I'll just stop. You know, when I, when I read this, and of course, as, as a minister, and I've got Pastor Greg attached to my name, uh, but you know, there's a calling that's on my life, and so I, wanna, I want to be careful to make sure that I'm looking at these things personally, because as a minister of the gospel, specifically called to the office of pa pastoring, I want to make sure that, like Timothy, I want to make sure I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. And, uh, you know, I, I want to, I from the Scripture, you know, there's a lot of stuff out there. If you don't realize this, there's all kinds of stuff out there written to pastors, how to, how to pastor a church and, and how, to, how to lead a church, how to grow a church and, and all those things. Our pastor just wrote a book, great book, you know. Uh, but there's a lot of stuff that's out there and some things are good and some things are not good. There's a lot of ideas and I would probably say, I don't know what you think, pastor, there's probably more bad ideas than good ideas. There's just a lot of stuff that's out there. Uh, and And... Oftentimes, people run to that stuff because it's easier on the flesh than, than to go to the main source and to go to the very beginning because, remember he said all Scripture is inspired by God, right? And he said it's profitable for what? For reproof. E. You don't know that, what, what that is. That means rebuking for correction, for instruction and in righteousness. So people want to go to other places. But he started, he told Timothy, he said, all, with all of these things in light, knowing that things are coming, knowing that, that perilous times are ahead and what's going to happen, I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you think that got Timothy's attention? 
I charge you is a stern warning. It, that's a, I'm about to leave town, and I want you to hear what I'm saying right now. And I want you to hear me, and I want to hold you, I want you to hear me before God and Jesus both, I'm telling you something. I think, I think Paul, I, I think Timothy, if it was a letter, he probably stood up, you know. He, he might have been sitting down reading, I charge you therefore, right, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm sure Timothy was like, okay, I, I'm, I want to hear what he's got to say. He said, I charge you there before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and at his kingdom. The Amplified said, who is to judge the living and the dead and by in the light of his coming and his kingdom. He said, this, he said, Lisa, I'm I'm telling you right now, I'm I'm holding you accountable for God and Jesus, but I want to put preference on the position they hold. This is the eternal judge. I want you to hear what I'm saying, right? He told him, he said, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, they will heap up, uh, because, of, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. You know, this, this is what we, this, this turning aside and setting up teachers for themselves is the reason why in, in, in chapter three, he was describing, that's how people get into these positions where they are unholy and lovers of money, boasters, pride, all of those things, having a form of godliness, but denying its powers because they've heaped up teachers for themselves that'll tell them what they want to hear. I don't know if you know this or not, but we have an epidemic in the church world. And I say that because I don't go to church anywhere else. I don't know if you know that or not, but I attend here, right? And so you may see me, you may have seen me around from time to time. I'm here, you know, uh, all the time. And uh, I don't attend other churches. I don't go to the places, but there is this thing called the internet. And there's this thing called YouTube where they have uh, videos on and people's messages are on there. And, and uh, I was talking to somebody the other day, you know, and they, they had, uh, because of the pandemic, you know, actually... A friend of mine that I, I went to Bible school with, you know, and they've been out of church now for for uh, for quite a while. And uh, uh, you know, I said, so he's talking about this, that, and the other. And I said, so where have you been going to church this whole time? You know, what are you what are you doing? He said, well, you know, we get up on Sunday mornings, and and you know, we we have a devotional together, and we'll we'll pray together, him and his family, you know, and we'll we'll do that, and and we'll get online, and we'll we'll catch a little bit of this message, and catch a little bit of that person's message, and catch a little bit of this live stream, and catch a little bit of that. Now, if he's listening to this, which he might be, the truth is the truth. That is no way to live your Christian walk. Bible school training or not, it's not appropriate. <laughs> uh, you know, the truth, the truth is just the truth. We're to, we're, to, we're to not forsake the assembling of ourselves, not the clicking of ourselves. Clicking on to different messages. Because I can tell you this, I see the statistics online of our messages, what people watch, and it's true of the statistics across the board. People watch little portions of messages. You can't get, even, even if it's a solid teaching, you can't get what the Spirit of God's trying to say by, by, by doing the Cliff Notes teaching version. You can't get it just by just popping in. There's a part of it being called and being there for the whole thing. Because listen, tonight's message is not the same without what we had in worship. I said it's not the same. If if what you have in worship isn't, if we don't, and we can say it this way too, if we don't hit the mark in worship, then we won't hit the mark in teaching. If we don't, if we don't set God or, or, or set him up, the word up or whatever, whatever God wants to do, one part of the service to the next, you can't, you can't, can't take a vacation, right? And you can't click through and exempt yourself from things because you won't get what God has for you. What ends up happening, you end up getting a gospel, a teaching and a religion, right? That is a, that is a form of godliness. It's got good things attached to it, but it's missing the power of God. It's missing the presence of God. It's missing the anointing of God. It doesn't have the hand of God upon it. And without all of those things, there's no power. And how many know when there's no power, there's no change? Can I say this? The world has seen enough of a form of godliness, body of Christ and church 
They've seen enough. The reason why they're not interested, by and large, are not interested in what the, what the church, when I say church, I mean church culture in America, Western church culture or whatever. The reason why they're not very interested is because we look just like them. And we say a lot of things, but there's no power behind it. The truth is, many in the church, and I'm not talking about our church, I'm talking about just the church at large. Now, you have to, we have to judge our own lives, right? But the church world at large, how many know the divorce rate in the church world at large is the same as the divorce rate in the world? Do you realize it's no different? Think about that. You have people on medications for this, and I'm not against medications. Those things, when you need them, those things are fine. But I mean, no, medication should never take the place of the word of God in our life or the power of God in our life. Take the medication, but be getting connected to the power of God every day as well. That power, the power of God, not the power of Advil, the power of God will do a permanent work in your life, right? Whereas the other stuff just covers it up. It lets you cope. How many know we've not been called to cope with anything? I said, we've not been called to cope with anything. Well, you know, the, the world sees this, and they, they see that, hey, you know, you're dealing with the same stuff I'm dealing with. And yes, it's true, we're going to face the same opposition, the same obstacles, the same things come our way. He's the same devil. He likes to attack them. He likes to attack us. Yes, but how is our response and what is our outcome? That's, what, that's where the difference is. But we've got a whole church culture that has developed in recent years to where the church culture is to tell people what they want to hear. You can turn on YouTube, you can turn on different things, you can, you can go different places and look. There are so many, quote unquote, positive messages out there. Now part of this, it, it, I'm not against positive messages at all. Tonight's a positive message. You may not realize it, but it's a positive message. Because all scripture, and I, I'm not saying anything outside of scripture, all scripture is, is profitable. It means it's positive. It means it's good, it's helpful, it, it's, it's beneficial to us. Yeah, but it doesn't feel. I don't care what it feels like. Come on now, do I need to meddle right now? Oh, we're in, a, we're in a feely, feely culture right now. Oh, I don't feel. I'm not mocking anybody, but listen, you got to get past your feelings. There are very few days I feel like doing certain things. There, there's always something every day I don't feel like doing. Aren't you glad we don't live according to how we feel? Who would get up and go to work in the morning if it was based on your feelings? I see no hands out there probably, and you know, I know, I tell, even if I got up in the morning, Pastor Greg, I'm telling you right now, if I got up in the morning, Pastor Greg, and I just, I'm, I just don't want to go to work, I'd jump up. I'd be so excited to do it. No, you wouldn't. If you, if you could get away with it, you'd sit right in bed. You, you, t- you wouldn't hit the alarm clock. You'd take the alarm clock and throw it across the room. Why? Because it'd feel real good, right? That sound of crashing and, and, the, and the alarm, beep, 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 right? I mean, you'd be like, ooh, I love the way that sounds, right? No, we don't live according to how we feel. Why do we approach the things of God based on how we feel? Oh, we'll go to, yeah, because there, well, I go to work, Pastor Greg, because there's a check in two weeks with my name on it. Yeah. You got a whole lot more than a check in two weeks with your name on it. We have got to see things properly. Oh, dear Jesus. Total side note. A little more serious. Jesus gave everything for us. And for us to put anything above him, feelings included, jobs, family, are you, are you against family? No, I'm all for family. In fact, God is very much for family. That's why we're here. He's looking for a family. No matter what it is, when we exalt, whether it's our feelings, our truth, our reality, when we exalt those things above the will of God, he is not pleased with that. If I choose something above my wife, I mean, she is not pleased with that. And rightfully so. If there's another lady that shows up and I decide to spend time with her and not my wife, do you think she's going to be happy with that? You don't know Amy Anderson. She won't be happy. What if she found some other dude? 
who's almost as good looking as me, right? And she chose to spend time with that person and not with me. Do you think, do you think this guy right here would be real happy about that? No. The reality is anything we choose, like I said, oh, when we'll, we'll get past our feelings to go to work, we'll set our feelings aside to, to do this and do that, good things, but we won't set aside our feelings to open our Bible up or won't set aside our feelings to spend time in prayer or won't set aside our, our feelings, our emotions to walk in love. You know what we're doing? We're, we're, we're spending time with that other woman, that other man. That's how God sees it. That's exactly how the Lord sees it. Remember, he said, I'm a jealous God. Meaning, he doesn't want to share you with anything. Amy and I, you know, we've been married for a while now, right? And there are things that we've got to do in, in our daily life, things we have to talk to. Things, there are things that go on life, things we have to do. But in the course of doing those things, she's still number one in my life. I've just, I'm talking about relation here on the earth, natural relations, meaning... She, she comes before you. You didn't know that. That's the truth. Now, there are times that I have to, I'm not around because there's something I need to do for or with somebody else or things. Those things happen, but my heart is with her first and foremost, right? And so I do it with permission of her because my heart's in the right place, but I'm doing these other things, but it's in submission to that. There are other things we have to do. There are times we have to, listen, oh, Lord, I love to do certain things. I just love to do certain things. There are certain things that just I enjoy. I love to ski. I, I, I enjoy riding my skateboard, breaking bones. I'm not doing that again. I've had enough of that. I mean, I enjoy doing those things. I, I, I've, I, not too long ago, I was, they, a group was out riding. So I was, you know, at first I said I wouldn't go. Then I said I'll sneak up and I was going to play hide and go seek with them, you know, on UF on my skateboard. And so I, I parked right next to them. My car is literally right next to theirs, so that they would, as they're leaving, would go to their car, and Pastor Greg is here. Let's go find him. We're in the O'Connell Center parking lot. Nobody there but their car and my car. Their two or three cars and my car sitting right next to them. Surely they'll see it. So I, I got on campus. I'm riding. They'll, they'll come find me, come looking for me. You know what happened? They got in their car and left. I'm riding around campus all by myself. Finally, I called him and said, where are y'all? Oh, we're, we're on the interstate. We're headed home. I'm like, you, did you not see I was parked right next to you? No. I'm like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? I'm literally parked right next to you. Right next to you. You didn't see my car right there. I mean, I, I, if I had to pull up and I saw my dad's car sitting next to me in an empty parking lot, a red truck, I'd be like, wait a second. Right? I'd at least get the phone out, do something. I'd check and see. They didn't. So I'm thinking, I'm here by myself. It's like 1130 at night. You know what? I'm going to just stay. I stay for like another hour because I've got permission from my wife to do this. You know, I'm, I'm going to stay for another hour. I stay probably another hour now. I rode around in the dark. I'm like, I'm enjoying myself. I'm, I, just, I love to ride. You may think that's crazy because you don't like that, but you have your thing. Love to go to the beach. Love to do this. Sometimes our love of things really are superseding our love for Jesus when we consistently make excuses to do those and not do what the Bible has instructed us to do. You say, well, my heart lets me do it. Is your heart letting you do it or have you calloused your heart to what your spirit is saying? Because if it doesn't line up with this, then I'm here to tell you, your heart's been calloused. And if your heart's been callous, if you're not walking in obedience, you're living a form of godliness but denying its power. And so not only are you not being the proper representation to the world, you're actually denying God the ability to do what he wants to do in your life. Is that the truth or not? He wants us to have those things, but he doesn't want those things, not for every opportunity to go do that thing at the sake of what he's called, told us to do in his word. A little bonus there. I've talked for 39 minutes. Oh, my goodness. I got to go quick. 
So the scripture that, 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 that has, and, and let me just say this. Let me just boil it down like this. I believe there are things that the Lord wants to do. There's some things he wants to say to us. There's some things that he wants to accomplish. Like I said, we've got a pandemic. We, that's the word we use these days. We have a pandemic in the church world of churches that, that are, exist to tell people what they want to hear. Personally, I believe it falls in line with what he said in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and in Titus where Paul was telling, giving the qualifications of deacons that, that they have a, a, a dishonest gain, a heart for dishonest gain. Because I, I, a lot of times people, people read that and I always took that as a sense of, you know, they want to steal out of the offering or they manipulate people to give them things, which, you know, those things are wrong. When we were in Jacksonville, we had a minister that showed up, that well-known name and showed up and, and uh, I've told you this before, they were going to pray for people to get a healing anointing if you gave them $100. And I, I say that and it was, it was not a joke. And the whole church basically lined up. Yours truly did not line up. And people walked up with a $100 bill or a check for $100 so he could pray for them, give them a healing anointing. How many know that's, that's monopolizing and monetizing the gospel? You can't buy it. And so there are people who do that kind of nonsense. But at the same time, I believe ministers, and this, is written, this was written specifically to ministers. There are ministers who present a form of the gospel or a message that is a positive gospel that is lacking conviction, it's lacking other things, it's because of di- they're wanting dishonest gain. They want to grow a giant church so they can have lots of income, so they can keep their ministries going, they can keep their cars going. You've got to keep the machine rolling. You do realize that's what it is. And it's something that, it's a qualification of a minister that Paul said, this is not good. Listen, and I'm not, I'm not, like I said, I'm not speaking about anyone individually. I'm not. This is for us as a church because we have to recognize these things. When that goes on, there's this, always this idea that the grass is greener somewhere else. How many know the grass is not greener? The grass is the grass, right? My yard looks one way. My neighbor's yard may look a little bit different, but we're still in the same city. We're still in the same neighborhood. He still gets the same rain I get, the same sun I get. The same weeds show up in my yard that show up in his yard. It's the same grass. A lot of times we think all this is better. This is the part of itching ears. I want to go somewhere that tells me what I want to hear, but more importantly, what they're really saying is, I want to go somewhere that doesn't tell me what I don't want to hear. Let's be honest, that's what it is, right? And we've all been there. We have our own private time, and we've got some time we want to maybe listen to a podcast, and we scroll the titles. Anybody been there before? And that title, you know, is, I don't know, oh, this title is Blessing Abundant 2021. Woo, I can get behind that one. I'm going to play that one. But then this other one is, is Sacrifice and, 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 and Carrie, Pick Up Your Cross and Follow Me, 20, follow me 2021. I'll get to that one later, right? We've all been there. But, you know, as a church, we can also come in one week when the subject is something we're excited about, be hearers and receptive. And the next time when something comes up we don't want to hear, yeah, I'll wait till next week. Pastor will get off of this and move on to something else and I'll start listening again. What that is, you may, you may be tempted to just go somewhere else, but you can even stay but check out. You can be in the right place but not actually be there and completely miss what the Lord is saying to you. This is a warning. Remember, this was Paul's warning to Timothy. This was his warning, his last instructions, and he's still warning us today. The time will come they won't endure sound doctrine. Thanks for the yawny amen over there, Steve. He's getting after me. Hallelujah. All right, let me praise God. All right, we're done. Um, According to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they heap up for themselves teachers. We have to be careful about that, that we don't do that. They can heap up for themselves topics. You can heap up for yourself discussions. No, all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable. So I went and I looked at, I've got a point to this. In the uh, 16, or the, uh, oh my goodness. Let me find it here. In, the, in, in, in chapter one, or verse one and two of chapter four, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, the, the, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, convince, rebuke, Exhort with all long suffering and teaching. 
The King James of that says, uh, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who shall judge uh, the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Remember, this is Paul's final words. And as a minister of the gospel, I take this really personally because he said, I charge you to do this before God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Part of this is you can understand why your pastors do what they do, right? And also part of this is so that we can hear what we need to hear. If we're not hearing what the, what the Lord is saying to us or endeavoring to say to us, if we put up our walls and don't want to hear things because we don't like it, we actually shortcut and short circuit the power of God, the freeing power of God and the truth of those areas. And we limit what he can do. I believe we, we the, like I said at the beginning, you know, the, the presence of God is the most precious thing we have. It ought to be our greatest desire. Him, his presence ought to be number one, right? That'll be number one. Well, there's no way to realize it or really even know what that means to experience, not from a positional standpoint, but from experiencing the presence of God and a, a loving relationship with our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. It's not possible to do that if, we're not, if we put up walls to things that are being said, being preached. It's not possible. Why? Because all Scripture is profitable. It's good for correction. It's good for instruction. Why? It's, it, going back to the, the third chapter, uh, for a preference, for correction, instruction, and righteousness, that the man of God may be a, a, a complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. The number one work we do is to know our Father and to spend time with our big brother Jesus in his presence. That's the number one thing. Remember Mary and Martha? One was busy doing good things. The other one was busy at the feet of Jesus. Which was the better? The things are good, but being at the feet of Jesus is number one. So in our life, every good work, our number one good work, as a result of our salvation, is time with him. What is that? The presence of God. The presence of God will mark you. When you experience the presence of God, it will mark you. Ask Moses. It changed his entire life. Right? If you are not been marked, you've not really experienced the presence of God. I liken it to in the Garden of Eden, he would come and walk with them in the cool of the day. When they got into trouble, they heard the sound of God. Let me say it like this. I think sometimes we have stopped at, at knowing the sound of God, but never actually learning to walk with him. Some people's idea of the presence of God is the sound. Can I tell you tonight, we were in the sound of the presence of God. And it's wonderful. I love to hear the sound of my family at home when they're laughing, when they're whining, no. But when they're laughing, and have, I love the sound of it, right? I, lo I love that. It's, it's a wonderful thing. It's not the same as being in the middle of it. It's something totally different. If, it has, if the presence of God isn't important to you, if the presence of God doesn't have your heart, you, may, you, say, you might say, well, this is a little challenging right here, Pastor. Well, maybe it's so. You need to hear it. If it doesn't really have your heart. Now, you can say it does, but does it or does it not? I don't know. It's not my business to know. But you know and God knows. Remember, no, nothing is hidden from him. Nothing is hidden from his sight. So he knows and you really know. Do you have a passion for the presence of God? Well, if you don't, it's because you've not been marked by it yet. And you can't get marked by the presence of God, which, which stirs on a deep desire for more of him, if we're not open to the things that complete us for that good work. This, really, it, this is very helpful tonight. Pastor's been talking this morning. He said, well, I was just mentioning, well, isn't this fun? Yes, this is fun. The biggest change I made several years, many, many years ago, I got to a place where I enjoyed correction. I enjoyed challenging things. I made it, I got myself, did somebody else get me there? I had to do that. Where I liked things that were challenging, I don't want to just hear what I want to hear. I don't want to just hear good things all the time. And I, when I say good, I mean, it's all, it, it is good. But things that I value is good. I don't want to just hear those things, my, my favorite topics. I want the other things that are painful. Why? Because it's for my benefit. I want those things. But if we put up a wall to this, 
we short circuit what is being said. The Holy Spirit will leave the room if we resist him. We've got to be open to this stuff. And I, and I know I'm talking for a little while, but this is important for us. We've got to be open to this. This, so, you know, as a minister, understand the, 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 the mandate as a pastor, pastors that we've been given. Understand this and understand that this is not something we take lightly. Because just like Paul said to Timothy, I charge you before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing. This isn't like Billy Bob down the street or anything. This is the risen king, right? He told him what to do. This is what he told, this is what he told the minister of God to do. Why am I, re- why am I saying this? Because if you don't know what it is, you may not recognize the gift it is to you and the benefit it is in your life. He told him, he said, to convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering teaching. The King James says, uh, to reprove, to rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. I looked up these words, reprove. The word reprove, now I'm not a Greek scholar, but I, I, I know one. Um, I went to a class with one of them. And, and Anyway, the Greek word for reprove is, uh, it, it's ele, 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 I can't say it right, E-L-E-G-C-H-O. Write it down if you want to, it doesn't really matter. But it's got several meanings. It means to convict, to refute, to, conf- to, to uh, uh, generally with a, so- get, now get this. This was what this Greek word meant, reprove. Sometimes I think we, have, we are too thin-skinned. I said sometimes, can anybody else amen other than pastor? Sometimes we are too thin-skinned. Okay. To convict, to refute, notice this, generally, generally with a suggestion of shame of the person convicted. How wonderful does that sound? This was inspired by the Spirit of God. This was something that, the, that God and the Lord Jesus Christ would hold Timothy accountable for. You know the reason why I don't judge what other churches are doing? Because I don't have to answer for what they're doing. In fact, I pray for them because the accounting, if that's what they've done, and that's between them and God, it's not my business. I don't care. It's not my business. But what they do, I, I pray for them because they will stand before God and the Lord Jesus Christ in the process of judging the living and the dead and give an account. I made people feel good. He would say, did you shame them? Think about that for a minute. Yeah, I know you said things that made them feel good, but did you make them feel bad? You probably won't hear this taught much anywhere else, probably, you know. This probably won't be being taught somewhere else. But this is Scripture. It's not popular today. It's not popular. Can I just say this? Wide is the gate that leads to destruction and narrow is the path that leads to righteousness and there are few that find it. Many go one way, few go the right way. These are people who are looking for it. Few find it, many go the wrong way. I'm gonna find it. I believe you're gonna find it. You can't find it by looking at this wrong or, or, or not, I'm not open because this is not the way I, what I want to hear. I got to move on, but another, word, another part of that is to, uh, by conviction, to bring into the light, to expose, Ooh, to find fault with, correct. It can be by word or by deed. <laughs> it's used a bunch in the Bible. This, this Greek word is used often. The next one was to rebuke. That was the first one, reprove. The next one is rebuke. It's not getting any better, y'all. That is another Greek word. I'm not even gonna pronounce, try to say it. It's got a bunch of meanings to show honor, to honor. Ooh, I like that, right? To raise the price of, ooh, I like that. Yeah, it makes me, yeah. Uh, to, to award in a sense of merited, uh, uh, a sense of merit. Oh, I like that. The fourth meaning of the word is to, to tax with fault, rate, uh, to chide, to rebuke, to reprove, to censor, censure severely. Those are the four meanings. Well, they're so different from each other. Those are the four meanings. Do you realize that that second meaning 
or the last meaning, number four, is the only one that's used in the New Testament. The others of honoring and, and all that stuff, it's not even used in that sense at all. It's all tied to correction. Other words, a rebuke charge to straightly charge. Well, I don't like what pastor had to say. It's just pastor's always, he's on this topic, and it's, you know, of course, I'm on flash. You know, listen. You want a pastor who will be honest with you. The last one was to exhort, and oh, we like that one. To call to one side, to call for, to summon, to address, to speak to, to call upon, right? To admonish, to exhort. To console, to encourage, strengthen by cons- uh, consolation, to comfort. So that the last one is great, but notice that the three words he gave to reprove, rebuke, and, and, and what was the last one? Uh, uh, exhort. Two of the three were by most people's uh, estimation negative things. They're painful things. That's your pastor's job. I said, that's your pastor's job. If you, want, if, you want to, if you want to go somewhere that's got a popular message, if you think it's better, it's out of line with what the Lord Jesus, the written word, has said. It's out of line. And it won't prepare you to stand before him. It won't prepare you to be ready for him. In fact, you might not even make it. It's the truth. Well, what's our job? Our job is to be open. Our job is to be open. And, I, and I'll stop here in just a second. Go to, do, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, and we'll, we'll stop here. 2 Corinthians, the 6th chapter. Is this good tonight? Is this helping you? We need to change how we look at things. Oh. One, there, there is a certain side of, of being excited about your church that if you don't look at this right, you'll never be excited about your church. From a standpoint of a witnessing standpoint, you'll never be excited about it because you yourself aren't excited about it. But you can get excited about it. You know, sing about Alabama. You know, they've been on top of the college football world for like a bazillion years at this point. You know, their practices are some of the nicest, most respectful practices in all of college football. They're so kind to their players. They baby them, let them take lots of breaks, only, let them, only make them do the drills they like. Never raise their voice at them. Never say, hey, you didn't do that. They're always like, that was perfect. And they're on top of the football world. You know, that is not the case. Nick Saban might be the devil. I say that joking. He is hard on them. I've seen practices. I've watched videos of practice. You wouldn't think Florida State, they ever get corrected because they're so terrible right now, but they do, right? I mean, like, hey, your foot's wrong. It's not in the right position. Fix that. You're doing this wrong. I mean, critiquing every living thing that they do. Because they don't like me. No, they see greatness in you, and they're going to ride you until you do the right thing and get that way. You can then do it right. You can function right. The reality is when the team embraces it, you have a culture that loves getting corrected. And what is, is the correction that they love? It's the, it's the result of correction. They love the fine-tuning that happens. Why? Because they start winning all the time. It starts working. It starts producing. They start looking like a professional football team in college. You can develop a culture to where the team loves it, and then all of the best recruits want to be a part of it. They want to get chided. They want to get yelled at. They want to get told, you don't know what you're doing. You need to fix it. They want to get shamed. Are you listening? So is it the, is it the, is it the correcting that's the problem, or is it the player's attitude that's the problem? Right? We went through a season in Tallahassee. Florida went through this in a few years ago as well, where they don't, don't tell me what to do, and players were too big for their pants, and guess what happened? The production on the field dropped off, and the recruits quit coming. So being nicer doesn't fix anything. It's how you respond to the instruction. Yeah, but that's in sports. There might be a big paycheck for me at the end of the day. Your heart's in the wrong place. 
I'll let you yell at me if it gets me in the league. How about if it gets you into heaven? I'm being, I'm being dead honest with you. There are churches all across America and the world that's hearing what they want to hear, and by, masses are going straight to hell as a result of it. And they think they're good, and they're not. This pastor, the pastors will stand for it. They will hold an account. If they're even there themselves, they'll give an account for it. We have to have this. We have to see this right. I'm telling you right now, if, if the culture further moved in a direction where we, we want to hear the truth, give it to me straight, Pastor. PG, give it to me straight. Pastor Angela, let's talk about love until my toes can't take it no more. Give it to me, Pastor Angela. Pastor Amy, I mean, go, go for it, right? If we get to that place and we mean it, are you telling me that the production on the field won't change? Do you, are you telling me that the experience we're having, thank God for positional truths, but I also really like the experiential truths as well, right? I like knowing that I'm married to my wife, but I actually like hanging out with her more than having a piece of paper, right? I'm thankful that my name is written in the book of life, but I actually enjoy him more than knowing that my name is written down in, in the book of life. Go back to what I said earlier. If you don't have that same passion, you need to get to know him personally. This is a part of that happening. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11. And I got to stop. It's okay this Sunday night for us to do this, right? Oh, goodness. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11. It says, O Corinthians, Paul once again speaking. I'd say the Corinthians were, they were a bunch of knotheads. He had, to really, he had his hands full with these guys, but he loved them. He said, we have spoken openly to you. Our heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted by your own affections. Isn't this what we're talking about? He said, you're not restricted by us. He said, you're restricted by your own affections. He said, now in return for the same, I speak as, as, speak as to children, you also be open. If your pastors can't freely say what they need to say, and can I tell you, I, I, I can tell you, there are times you sense the resistance. Yeah. I wish we had a, we have cameras, you know, to put on, to the video to put them. I wish we had another channel that every week there was a camera on the crowd. And we'd put that on YouTube. So you get on see not just pastors, see your own face. You, and I joke, but we, there's also a spiritual temperature of a place. That means you could even be saying, that's right. But in your heart, you're saying, I ain't listening to this garbage one bit. When are we getting out of here? I'm going to Sonny's, right? And if that's the environment of the room, I joke, but if that's the environment, you know it. You know, one of the things I love about youth ministry after all these years, you know, I, I, you know, I just, we, we just say it like it is. And, 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 and if you've been in there, and sometimes we get into stuff that you're like, ooh, I mean, you know, we just say it. But you know, it's been said before, well, you can't talk to adults that way. You can't be plain with adults because, you know, they don't take it quite so well. I know none of you have probably ever said this, but don't they know how old I am? Maybe some other, not church, but some other thing. Don't they know how old I am? I'm 45 years old. They can't talk to me that way. I had one person once, as the, as the associate pastor of this church, said, I'm 60 years old. I can say whatever I want to say. And you can't, you, can't, you, can't, you can't say anything. They told me that to my face. Hallelujah. I wanna, at that moment, I want to lay hands and bless, right? But is it true or not? We get to where we're like, don't tell me what to do. Listen, if you don't want... To be told what to do, especially if it's coming from the Word of God, if you don't want it, you won't get him. You think you're opposing a man, you're actually opposing the man, Jesus Christ, and you're short-circuiting your own relationship. And then what happens? You deceive yourself, and then you don't even know you're deceived. You think you're cool, and you're not. And in fact, you're a hot mess. We joke, but that's exactly what it is. He told him, he said, oh, Corinthians, we've spoken openly to you. The NIV says, we've spoken freely to you, Corinthians. Oh, and open wide, and open wide our, wide our hearts to you. 
There have been times I've gotten up to minister in the last couple of years here in, the, in this service next door that I'm like, dear Lord, why? Lord, what? let me talk about something fun. And I've had, and, and, and I know pastors will say the same. The times you get up and you say stuff and you, you know people don't like it. But you know what? I love you too much to not say it. You may not like this. And not like it or not, I'm going to do it anyway because whether you like it or not, there's one person I do want to like it. When that day comes, you're not going to even be in my mind. He says, we're not withholding our affection from you. You're withholding yours from us. A fair exchange. I speak to his children. Open wide your hearts also. The Amplified, it said, our mouth is open to you, Corinthians. We are hiding nothing, keeping nothing back, and our heart is expanded wide for you. There's no lack of room for you in our hearts, but, uh, uh, but you lack room in your heart affection for us. By, return, by, re, by way of return, then do this for me. I speak as children. Open wide your hearts to us. Why was Paul saying this? If you're not open, I can't deliver what I need to deliver. If you're not open, I'm not able to say what I need to say. The Holy Spirit is not a bully. When I don't want to hear something in my private life, he doesn't talk. He doesn't talk to me. If I don't want to hear it, he's quiet. Do you think in a church service it's possible where there's environments and times where there are things he wants to say, but he can't because people don't want to hear it? Enough people don't want to hear it? Absolutely. New Living, old dear children or dear friends, we have spoken honestly with you and our hearts are open to you. There's no lack of love on our part, but you have withheld love from us. I'm, seek, I'm asking you respond as if you were my own children. Open your hearts to us. And I'll stop. The other things we could say, it's been, it's been too long, but, you know, these are important things. Let's not fall uh, to the, to the um, uh, let's not fall to the trend of church culture. Let's not fall prey to the pressure that's on the, if the enemy can get the church to not really be the church, to not act like the church, to not talk like the church, for ministers to not speak like the church, for the people in the pews to not hear like the church. How many times did Jesus say, let him who has ears to hear, let him hear? It's more than just the physical hearing, it's the heart with which you hear, right? If the enemy can pressure us externally or internally to shut that down, he, he's holding the reality of the truth of God's word from being revealed on the earth. That's what he's doing. He's keeping it from being revealed in your family. He's keeping it from being revealed in your workplace. He's keeping it from being revealed in your body. He's keeping it from being revealed on, on, in every area if we shut that down. I believe there is more that God wants to do. I'm not satisfied, because I've seen some other things. I'm not satisfied with just having the sound of him in our services. I'm not satisfied with what we've experienced to this point. I'm not satisfied. I'm not satisfied with the representation we've given yet. My own personal life, I'm not, I'm not satisfied with it. I'm not satisfied with it. Right? I'm, I'm just not, I'm not happy with it. Let that sense of dissatisfaction grow in you. Not with God, but with how you've done things. What you've been open to, what you've been responsive to. Whatever you need to do to lay at the feet of Jesus, lay it at the feet of Jesus. Whatever attitude you need to crucify, whatever thing you need to set aside, whatever priority you need to change, whatever love you need to rekindle, it's not okay to go weeks and years and, and, or weeks, months and years not fully in love with Jesus. It's not okay. In fact, it's not okay to go five minutes. Whatever that is, if it's hurt, if it's, if it's frustration, if it's offense, if it's, if it's just being, just feeling like you, you know, you're a failure or if, or God forbid you feel like God failed you. He didn't fail you. I said, he didn't fail you. Lay that wrong thinking at the feet of Jesus and say, you know what? I'm going to get before your word. I'm going to take what you say at face value. I'm not going to, I'm not going to overthink it. I'm just going to accept it. I'm going to, I'm not just going to submit to your will. I'm going to change my will to yours. If you'll do that, you'll begin to see things changing in your life. You'll see things changing in your life. Correction, instruction, these things, rebuking. I had one minister say, if you can't handle a good rebuke, you don't want to grow. If you can't handle a good rebuke, you don't want to grow. And that's absolute truth. Has the, has the Lord ever rebuked anybody personally before? Like, what are you doing right now? What is that? I've had him like, oh, you're right, that was dumb. 
I didn't catch an attitude. Well, how dare you say that, Lord? That would have been dumb. Yeah, but it's, but it's just pastor. It's just you, PG. It's just, it's just PA, Pastor Angela. It's just, it's just Pastor. It's just, it's just, it's just the guest ministry. Yeah. Gifts that the Lord has put into the church for the equipping of the body, for the, for the, for the, for the you know, for the equipping of the saints, right? Now that you say, well, I'm going I'm to I'm get my reproving action on. I'm going I'm to step up my reproving game as a believer. As believers, you've been taught to speak the truth in love, right? But there is a mandate upon the ministry gifts to say what has to be said. And there's also then a mandate on those hearing it to hear what's being said. It's a two-way street. Amen? Well, praise God. Let's all stand. Hallelujah. Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. I'm so thankful for the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. I'm so thankful he's not done with me. Are you thankful he's not done with you? (laughs) He's not done with you. He's got more to do, more work to do. You can look more like Jesus tomorrow than you did today. You can look back in a month from now and be more, look like more like your father in a month than you did today. Let's keep pushing forward. Let's stay open to what he says to us. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.